Hello and welcome to your Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host for this week, Farmers Guardian business reporter Alex Black. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Just make sure you're subscribed on your favourite platform. This week, we're getting in the festive spirit. As Christmas approaches, we're taking a look back at what happened during an unprecedented Christmas 2020 and what 2021 could mean for consumer trends. But first, let's talk dairy. And we've had a flurry of price rises from processors for January 2022. But as dairy farmers face escalating input costs, many feel that the prices are still not high enough. I caught up with Kite Consulting's John Allen, who gave me an update on the latest events in the marketplace. In terms of uh, just dealing with the short term, and after just rewind to Project Reset, which we published back in October, November, the first piece of that project was about the short term issues, about the inflation we were facing out on farm and also at processor level and so that has actually initiated quite a lot of activity in the market which has been really good because that has helped processors recover price increases out of the marketplace and it will probably put up prices to consumers but they really had to go up uh, bearing in mind the inflation we were facing. So um, that's it, that's now being fed back, uh, as you can see, in recent weeks. And so we've now got most prices around 33, 34p, maybe a little bit more going into the spring. And there might be some more to follow. Is that where prices should be? So certainly when you looked at the what we've, we've had, this explosion of costs uh, on and um, our, our break even milk price for an average operator, uh, last summer was around 31. Uh, that was an increase on the year before from 29. And uh, so we we forecast in that report on farm costs for break even would go up to around 33 to 34p a litre. So we're probably on break even now. The problem is, though, that uh, you might know that the forage this winter is quite poor. Uh, on many farms uh, it's not feeding as well as people would like and so therefore that's holding back the milk flows as well as the rises in costs and the, those two combinations are uh, meaning milk flows behind and that's putting probably further upward pressure on prices in the short run and that's also the case interestingly across northwestern Europe in France and Germany we're about three percent year on year down which is amazing and I, I know um We've had some comments from from some of the dairy farmers saying, you know, that uh, 40 pence per litre is going to be the new 30 pence per litre as the as the target price that everybody wants to get to. What what would you say to that? Ah, well, well, cer- certainly we're, we're in that phase of a market when prices rise and everybody compares each other's prices and nobody really knows what each other's getting. So everybody thinks it's got to be begin with a four or something and everybody gets carried away. So we're entering that phase and we're also entering a phase where I think milk buyers will be in a recruitment phase. So that's going to mean a bit of turmoil in the market. And these things always happen on a rising market, interestingly enough. And farmers get more agitated on a rising market often than a falling market. So we've got that to come. As for whether or not uh, 40p is the new 30, we're certainly in a major reset. Uh, and, and that's more to do, I think, with a long term reset. I mean, there will be some further upward pressure on price, I suspect, into the early spring. After that, it's going to be a bit of a guess in terms of what's going to happen with the spring and the weather and what milk production does across Europe as well as the UK. 
And you touched before on consumer prices. I think we've heard it, you know, we've heard it from the poultry sector. We've heard it from the from the pig sector um, about consumer prices across the board needing to, to rise. I mean, do you want to give us a little bit more detail on what, why you think that and, and what will happen if those consumer prices don't go up? Well, I think in some ways, then other sectors looking on at dairy and, and they're saying, you, you know, we, we appear to be delivering. I think other sectors are really struggling. I, I talk to uh, people in the uh, fresh uh, veg and f- fruit sectors. They, they've had a really hard time. They're not being able to recover increases. You know what's happening in the pig sector and the poultry sector struggling as well. So this isn't this reset of uh, commodity prices or food prices isn't happening smoothly. Uh, you know, it is a market at the end of the day uh, and retailers don't just automatically accept the increases. But this time round for dairy, we are getting it out of the market. And that, and that's that, that is a positive. And I think longer term, what we did in Project Reset is that we've actually looked at the long term reset of prices because we've got increasing costs of compliance. And that's going to mean that prices probably are going to go up around the world because dairy demand around the world, despite what a lot of people would like to think would happen, and I'm talking about the vegan movement and others who've got an anti, anti-livestock anti agenda, then actually they 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 aren't winning. And at present, dairy consumption is rising around the world. So in the face of a rising demand around the world and increasing costs of compliance, we expect the costs of, uh, uh, to increase. And that takes us nicely on to your work on exports. Mm. I mean, do you want to go through some of the opportunities that there could be for exports for UK dairy products? Where are the opportunities there? Well, I think what was surprising in the report looked at 90 countries around the world with 5 billion people where their economies were growing by 4.4 percent per annum for the last 10 years and their dairy consumption was going up by 2 percent plus more per annum. And when you go forward in the next five years, because they can't generate that extra dairy consumption internally, that converted back into an increase in demand. Uh, growing in the next five years of 5.6%. Now, that is serious growth of demand in those countries. And that is an opportunity for UK dairy, which we'd never even thought about post uh, pre-Brexit, I guess. I'm not saying Brexit has created that opportunity because, you know, the EU could fill that market, but the EU doesn't look like it's wanting to fill it. So that means the UK has got an opportunity to fill it. Now, that could come in a number of ways, powders, so these are more commodity products, uh, tree type product, um, but also cheeses. And if you look at Saputo, you look at the West Country cheesemakers like Barber's and White, then they've got export markets developing. So powders and cheese are probably the two present ones that would be uh, going on to those export markets. And how does that then feed back to, to the farm gate? Is there a benefit of supplying those export markets? Do we see that in the companies that are exporting? Yeah, because those commodity markets at present are returning a far higher price than we would get in a domestic market in the UK. Now, they are more volatile. So this year we might be getting 38p of those commodity markets and next year it might be 25. So, you know, we have to bear that in mind. But overall, they are in general a lever to the market in the UK because what happens is that uh, it's a little bit like curd cheese now currently will return 35p. Well, people will 
go for that rather than sometimes supply in liquid markets, which means that the liquid spot price currently is well over 45 pence. So, you know, those are the things that do actually have an impact on the market in the UK. And I suppose that wide portfolio of, of products, I know we often hear that um, term when, when we've got the results due from the big dairy players, but that portfolio of products, that feeds back then to farmers as well as, I suppose, negotiating power for the processors? Yeah, it, it, it does, because, um, you know, and, and, and I think if you just pick on Arlo as one example, and Muller will be no doubt having their own strategy and their own plans, so we can pick up on them as well, because they're the two big ones in the UK. But Arlo's profits, we know in the public domain, uh, two thirds of their profits come from branded products, uh, innovations and new investment, uh, with only a third of their profit coming from own label. Um, and they've obviously got a big portfolio in, in commodities. Uh, Muller is far more dependent at present in the UK on the liquid market and a little bit more in the added value with desserts and uh, yogurts. But I mean, I guess from a European perspective, Muller will be looking at their business across UK, across Europe and looking at how they can add value as well. So I think there's going to be value opportunities coming in all of these uh, marketplaces in terms of uh, adding value to dairy. Thanks to John for his insight. Now, there's less than two weeks left until Christmas, and after a lacklustre 2020, the public are looking to celebrate this year despite the threat of COVID-19. Kim Malley, Senior Retail Insight Manager at AHDB, took a look ahead to what that could mean for sales at Christmas 2021. If we look back to um, 2020, obviously we're in um, some restrictions over Christmas, um, particularly down, down in London. I mean, how did that impact our spending last year? Yeah, so how we shopped and ate was was quite different, but obviously it was dictated by the different circumstances. Um, if we look at last year and about how we shopped, what was the same was that Christmas was still the biggest event in the retail calendar, but it was even bigger last year because there were more in-home um, eating occasions. As we, as you say, we were um, in lockdown um, or, or tiering systems. So um, retail was 1.8 billion um, bigger than an average month uh, last year, which is great. Um, but the retail landscape kind of changed. So how people shopped was a little bit different. So online was a really big winner. Um, obviously, it meant that uh, people didn't have to, to go out. Um, butchers and local stores as well um, performed above average. So people were people who were willing to go out were willing to kind of um, spend on local. Um, and the kind of how people shopped was people were buying, um, were doing fewer but bigger shops um, and they were kind of doing it earlier as well. So how we shopped was slightly different, but also how we ate was slightly different as well. Obviously, um, it was still Christmas, so there were still lots of lots of Christmas uh, Christmas dinners. Um, it was still very much about indulgence and, and treating. Um, but what we do know is that gatherings were were smaller and there were low, less parties, etc. Um, so in terms of maybe some, some categories which are, are relevant to farmers in retail, um, the farming categories worked really hard to meet this increased uh, demand. So in terms of meat at Christmas last year, red meat enjoyed the best Christmas on record um, and it outperformed turkey and fish. 
Um, for example, uh, pork roasting was up 25% in volumes, beef was up 18% um, versus turkey and fish, which were both um, down minus 4% in volumes. Um, and why this was, was because that people were, were um, breaking with traditions and also because there were less guests, it meant that they could kind of cater to their to their personal personal tastes as well. Um, and another trend we saw last year was that there was a move to smaller roasting joints at the Christmas dinner. Um, obviously, this this was a trend pre-COVID as well, but it was accelerated by the smaller gatherings uh, last year. Um, another category, for example, is uh, dairy grew faster than the market because, as I said, indulgence and treating was um, a lot more important last year. Um, uh, cheese was one of the fastest growing dairy categories, but people were opting for more everyday cooking cheeses rather than your cheese board selections. So you can see that in um, some ways people were still indulging, but maybe those kind of um, more more traditional um, aspects of the of outside of the Christmas dinner, like the cheese board, suffered. Um, and uh, cream as well. We saw double double cream and creme fraiche uh, really doing particularly well. Whereas things that are particular that do usually do well at Christmas, like alcoholic cream, um, grew slower than the other creams. So again, it was more about every day, but still having that that Christmas dinner last year, but maybe just not as big as um, as we're used to. And obviously, you say there about. About red meat, if we can go on to 2021 uh, and looking at the red meat category, obviously the turkey is probably the most um, popular traditional uh, meal. I mean, what are we expecting for red meat this year? Yeah, so um, undoubtedly there, the tradition is with, with turkey and, and, and gammon as well, but with turkey, it probably is still going to be the, the biggest protein um, at Christmas dinners. But I think what people learnt last year uh, from Christmas with um, the push in, for example, beef roasting joints was how tasty they are. And they put them back on people's agendas. And also beef did extremely well the whole of last year um, and recently with COVID. So it's kind of um, seen uh, put beef back onto people's agendas so I definitely think that we with something like beef it won't go back to pre-covid levels because people um had it last year and they really enjoyed it um, and especially if they they are having bigger gatherings the trend towards smaller joints mean that they might um be able to have more joints but smaller so they might have might still have turkey but they might get a smaller one and then have um beef as well um, and probably the last aspect as well is that because we are going to be socialising at home more still this year, um, we know that there's probably going to be more at home gatherings around Christmas Day as well, which will probably benefit the, the red meats. Um, you might see more gammon, you might see more pork roasting, etc. So I think the overall takeout is that I think we're going to have a, a good Christmas for red meat. Excellent. And, and dairy was the other sector that you, you concentrated on there with 2020. I mean, are we going to see a return to the cheese board this year? Yeah, definitely. Um, I predict that the consumers want a more normal Christmas this year. Um, and so I think traditions are going to be key. So, um, yeah, with dairy, I think that will um, positively we'll see desserts really come through, uh, cream, 
But yeah, cheese boards, I think, will see a resurgence. And what we know um, about cheeses pre-COVID and cheeses that over-indexed at Christmas was um, varieties such as Wensleydale, Brie, Stilton, Camembert. Um, so I think we'll definitely see a, a resurgence of them as um, we'll have more family gatherings and more gatherings around Christmas as well. And we know that cheese boards are something that everyone loves to, to, to pick up. And um, going on to uh, local butchers and farm shops and, and local local shops, obviously during the pandemic, that was a big trend. I know a lot of people noticed that more people were supporting local. Are people still going to be supporting local shops this Christmas or have we all gone back to the supermarkets? Yeah, uh, last Christmas was um, was massive for, for butchers and, and local, local stores. Um, and we have definitely seen that there is a trend uh, with COVID that people want to support local and butchers, butchers more. Um, the reality is that over the last few weeks, as the market started to open up again, we have seen people um, switch back to, to supermarkets. Um, but obviously, we know that that the um, that restrictions and uncertainty, etc., are starting to ramp up again. I think people will turn back to, to butchers um, this Christmas. They want to indulge and they want to treat, so they want to get really good cuts of meat. Um, but I think um, it will um, also be exaggerated by the fact that as we run up to Christmas, people will probably want to start going out less. Um, again because of uh, because of what's in the in the news and I think um, yeah from a butcher point of view it would be about really pushing um, uh, the the British message the high quality um, etc because that is exactly what people want from their Christmas dinners this year they want to be able to treat and they want to put on something special for their for their families and I know you've just said there about that indulgence factor for Christmas but obviously we're facing sort of a lot of economic uncertainty for how many people are facing that. Um, with regards to that, does that impact people's spending at Christmas at all? Yes, definitely. So um, that is a factor that is going to impact um, a lot of Christmases. We do know that there is quite polarised spending ability at the moment. There are um, a large number of people who have um, benefited financially from from the pandemic because they haven't been able to go out and spend but equally there's probably um, just as big a group who have um, suffered negatively um, financially um, because of the pandemic um, so I do think that when um, we're thinking about what we're offering in retail it's important that both ends of the of the spectrum are catered to so um, some people will be going for, for the premium offerings, whereas some people will be going for, for, um, for the more value offerings and will be seeking out promotions. And um, what we do know from the latest Kantar um, data is that despite things like price inflation and um, this polarised spending ability, premium ranges are doing um, particularly well and we're not seeing massive shifts to own label or seeking promotions, etc. So at the moment, it seems that, um, that a lot of people are wanting to indulge and treat uh, this Christmas, um, despite what, what's gone on with, with the pandemic. Thank you to Kim. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss any new episodes. Join us next week with a mince pie in hand as we'll be keeping up the festive theme and talking about Christmas trees. Until next week from us at FG, thank you for listening. 
We hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now.